You sure are. And even with the hour claimed, it's uh, it's all good, ready to uh, to roll here. And uh, another edition of the Employment Law Show is underway. Phone lines already open. It is 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell phone. That is the way we roll. You want to send along an email, which we will uh, endeavor to get to a little later on the show. That is, uh, it's simple, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Good afternoon, fella. How are you? I am doing great, feeling good. Yeah. Got to sleep an extra hour, so I can't <laughs> complain about that, right? It's awesome. Yeah, no, I got a puppy. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I got two dogs, okay? Don't don't complain to me, Jim. That, that's don't right. Don't complain to me. Yeah, so what do you got going on? Well, you know, it's been a, a busy week, and uh, it's it's been a, a, a lot of uh, opportunities to speak to a lot of people about their workplace, right? You know, this time of year, John, it's kind of a weird time of year. Up until, you know, probably mid-November, companies are going to be undergoing changes in preparation for next year. You know, cost-cutting, layoffs, terminations. Yeah. It doesn't happen so much between mid-November till you know, after New Year's because companies don't want to let people go around the holidays. But unfortunately, a lot of people are going to find themselves the, the victims, if you will, of a restructuring over the next couple of weeks or so. So we want to talk about some of those things and what you need to know if you find yourself in that situation. If you're called into a meeting unexpectedly, you're handed a piece of paper, today's your last day, what does it mean? What do you do? What are your owed? We talk about that on the show every time. So if you have any questions about your workplace rights, whatever it is, maybe the company did something or said something or threatened to do something and you want to know what that all means and what your rights are in those situations, bring it on, uh, lay it on us. We're ready to take uh, your calls, your questions. Uh, hopefully we can keep it as a busy show. But, John, let me start off specifically kind of with uh, two examples that came or two matters that came across my desk over the last uh, few days, what we call the week that was. Uh, first matter I'll tell you about, I spoke with a uh, gentleman who uh, worked for the same company for five years, but about two years ago he had asked the company if he could go down to working four days a week, but still working his full-time hours. He still wanted to do 37 and a half hours a week, but he wanted to do those in four days so he can have that fifth day, uh, the Friday, to have it uh, free. Company thought about it, finally said, yeah, sure, you you can do that, no problem. He's been working great. He's been very happy about it. Uh, It's giving him more more family time. And for the past two years, he's been working 37 and a half hours uh, over four days, no problem. Uh, well, very recently, about a week ago or so, a company comes back, calls him and, and into a meeting and says, we want to change. We want to go back to the way things were. Uh, we don't think it's fair, so we're going to move you back to five days. Still the same 37 and a half hours, but over five days. He obviously is not happy, and he called me, and he wanted to know, of course, can they do that? Mm-hmm. Well, no. The answer is they cannot. Now, here's the interesting thing, John. Two years ago, when he asked to go down to four days a week, they did not have to let him do that. They absolutely could have said, no, we're keeping you at five days. We're not changing that. But once they did, once they agreed to change his hours, that became the terms of his employment, which means now the company can't change it back. So even though they didn't have to do it in the first place, they did anyway. Now they can't change it back. So what does this mean for him? It means that if he wants, he could choose this change and to treat this change as a constructive dismissal. He does not have to accept that. He can say, I'm not doing it, and if you force me, I'm going to treat that as a constructive dismissal. I'm going to leave with my full severance. I wanted to uh, bring this up on the show today just to remind you that if you get a, a some sort of a special deal or some, some special arrangement that the company's provided you, they can't just take it back. 
they don't have to give you that arrangement to begin with, but if they do, that becomes a terms of your term of your employment. Maybe it's a, a specific shift that you're working. Maybe it's a number of hours. Maybe it's a specific bonus. Whatever it is, once you've provided with that, it becomes a term of employment. And if they take it back, that's a breach of the terms of employment, and that John could be a constructive dismissal. Is there a time limit or a minimum amount of time once that change has taken place? Otherwise, they even if they directed it or just allowed you to do it, that they they can't turn back. Usually, you know, if, if we're doing it for a few months, it becomes a term of employment. So we'd probably be looking at a few months. In this case, it was two years he's been doing it. Worked out really well for him. He was happy. Uh, and, of course, it's a big deal to go from four to five days a week. It's a, it's a significant change. It's a huge change. Definitely a constructive dismissal. Again, the phone line's already open, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. What else you got going on? I spoke with a, a lady who found herself in a actually very difficult situation. Uh, she's worked for the same employer for many years, and some time ago, uh, the company made some cost cutting, and she decided to uh, the company decided to let go of another person that worked for the company, doing the same job as, as this particular lady. Well, because they let go of that person, this person, the one that called me, ended up having to do two jobs. Right. The other person was let go. Now she's having to do two jobs, and it became unbearable. Uh, she would have to work extra hours. She would have to put in time on the weekend. Uh, she she would she was literally going crazy, and and slowly but surely, this made her sick. She she had to deal with anxiety and stress. She had to take some time off work, and after she got better, she was off her for a, a stress leave for a couple of months. She asked the company to 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 make things better for her to add, to bring another person in, so she doesn't go back to the same situation. They said, sorry, can't do that. We're not adding a person. It's all on you. That's when she contacted me, and she said, I don't want to go back in that environment. I don't want to go back and make myself even more sick. What do I do? Well, John, this is another form of constructive dismissal. Now, this lady wasn't demoted. Her compensation wasn't changed. She wasn't you know, mistreated. But what happened is the terms of her employment still changed. They essentially doubled her workload. They now took the job that she had and made it very different. Instead of doing you know, five things, she's now responsible for 10 things. That is still a change of the terms of employment. That's still a constructive dismissal. It, it, and it was so bad that it actually made her physically ill. And I've seen this happen before. So I, the good news and what I told her is, no, you don't have to go back. And by not going back, that is actually a constructive dismissal. She's been there for many years. She could be out easily up to 20 or 24 months of pay. Uh, and I wanted to bring this up here in that if you are put in a situation where your workload increases significantly, maybe the company is just busier and they don't want to hire another person. Maybe they let someone else go and they give you their job. If that happens, you may be able to treat that as a constructive dismissal because the job that you signed up for is now different than the job that you have. That is not something, John, that the employer is allowed to do. Again, same angle. How long could could she have let that fester until it became a term of her employment, having said you've accepted it by now? Yeah, and, and that's an interesting thing because when a change like that happens, you're not going to know right away how it's going to impact you, right? You, you, you can try to see, well, you know, I know I'm going to do more, but is it going to be a big deal? Is it not? So she's allowed some time to figure things out, to see if she can do it, to see if it's manageable. So yeah. probably a few months. So she's still within that time period. This thing happened, you know, a few months ago, and, and it's now made her sick. It's now come to the point where she understands she cannot do it. So, yeah, I'm going to help her with a constructive dismissal, get her that compensation so that she doesn't make herself even more sick. 
Going to break in a couple minutes, but before we do and line up some calls, I want you to give me some details on the uh, the amazing pocket employment lawyer. The amazing pocket employment lawyer. Actually, that, that's <laughs> a, a good tagline for it. I like that's it. Right. So pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, it's a tool that we created very recently to, to take the advantage of the power of, of technology to allow people to get an assessment of their legal entitlements. So pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, if you have issues about constructive dismissal, we've just been talking about that, or maybe you want to know if you're an independent contractor or an employee. Maybe you want to know if the company has just caused to let you go. Or perhaps you're dealing with a human rights or harassment issue. The Pocket Employment Lawyer tool allows you to, to, to assess, to get your matter assessed, to find out what your rights are. It's not about reading an article. It's not about uh, getting a frequently asked question or a top five list. No, it's you inputting your information, answering questions, and getting an answer on the spot, online, about your situation. It's free. It's anonymous. It's easy to use. It takes seconds. So the first place you go to, if you have a workplace issue, even before you call a lawyer, is pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Check it out right now. You actually already have an employment lawyer. Yep. It's right there on your phone, in your pocket, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We are back indeed. Still plenty of time for you to call through, ask your questions. We'd love to talk to you, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on yourselves. We get the calls lined up here. want to get into this topic, and that is if you're an employee, never do this. It, this is an interesting list because we've, we've done the other end before. If you're an employer, never do this. But why the employee side this time? Well, oftentimes, John, uh, questions that I get from employees start with, what should I do? Well, I find that sometimes I, what I have to say is, here's what you should not do. Here's what the things that you need to watch out for. Uh, and in many situations, when people call me, they would have, not knowing, made some mistakes, and as a result of that, made their legal matter more complicated. So when we want to talk about situations and, and things that you need to keep in mind not to do. So if you find yourself in those situations, you'll know not to do, but don't worry, I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm also going to tell you what you should be doing instead. And again, if any of this uh, piques your interest as we uh, sit here and chat, feel free to call through 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on uh, yourself. First one, if you're an employee, never make assumptions about legal rights or get information from the wrong sources. You know, I, I think that's a good place to start. It really is. Uh, the law, I've said this before on the show, the law, when it comes to employment law, is quite good and it's quite extensive and it provides a lot of protections and rights for employees. But the law can't help you if you don't know what it is, if you're not taking the time to learn what it says, and if you're not getting the, uh, the right information. Uh, people make assumptions when it comes to employment law all the time. I see this. This was the reason we started the show uh, mm -hmm. all these years ago is because I, I was you know, on a message board one time reading about, I don't know, I think it was golf, and yep. someone said that they lost your job, and 25 people gave different, 25 different opinions of their situation, all of it wrong. And I thought, oh my God, this, that can't be. We got to tell people the way things are. So you can't make assumptions. You can't assume, well, you know, this is what the law is. This is what the law says. This is what I should do. No, when it comes to your rights, you can't leave it to chance. You know, if you if you had a medical condition, you, you wouldn't just leave it to chance. You'd speak to a doctor. You'd see what what your options are. Same thing with your with your uh, legal issues, especially when employment law is concerned. Your job is important. Your career is important. Work compensation, all of that is important. So don't make assumptions. Don't assume you know what it is. Don't assume your Uncle Bob, who used to work for a company 20 years ago, knows what, what the law is as well. Go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. 
Call this show. Call me at the office. Call another employment lawyer if you don't like me. That's fine. But you have to be smart about about it when it comes to your legal rights. If you don't take the time to inform yourself, you're going to pay for it later. Well, we said so many times, you know, you don't want to go to Google Law School for one. And number two, I mean, you can't just make the assumption that, yeah, I, I, this is what I heard one time and it, it's two weeks per year and, and off I go. could be a deadly mistake. You know, you, you don't download a will offline either. You go to a lawyer and get it done properly. <laughs> You don't, you don't take chances. And, yeah. you know, if you do assume, like a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, assume that, you know, if I lost my job, I get a week's pay per year. So, yeah, I yeah. work for six years. I'm going to get six weeks pay. Uh-uh, wrong. If you made that assumption, guess what? You could be owed nine months pay, not weeks, months pay or, or 12 yeah. months pay. And what happens when you realize a year later that you were wrong and it's too late to do anything about it? Don't let that happen to you. Don't make assumptions. Don't go to Google Law School. You know, we give you so many options to get the right information. There's no excuse not to do it. You bet your phone call six zero four two eight zero nine eight nine eight or star nine eight nine eight on your cell. In that regard, Ali, thank you for uh, for hanging on. Good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon. Good. How are you? Good, sir. What's uh, what's going on with you? What's your concern? Well, I have a question. I uh, was I'm, I'm working for a company, and uh, for the last eight years, eight and a half years. Uh, company was doing a gas allowance for me um, mm. uh, every month, and I would just hand in my receipts and get paid, basically get compensated for those. Mm. And then a couple months ago, they just basically took that away and said, no, we're not going to do that anymore. So I was wondering if that would be considered fall within the same sort of criteria that you guys are talking about. So, Ali, give me a sense. Mm-hmm. How much in a month usually would you uh, submit for uh, for gas approximately? About four to $500 a month. Wow, four to f- yeah, that's a lot. Gosh, yeah, that's now yeah, we're talking yeah. four or five thousand dollars or so, even more potentially uh, a, a year loss. And yeah. so the reality is that now essentially your compensation has been reduced by that amount. You're going to be making exactly. five thousand dollars a year less money because you're going to have to pay for that out of your own pocket. Now, the, mm-hmm. your situation is exactly what I was talking about at the beginning of the show because the company didn't necessarily have to give you car allowance, but once mm-hmm. they did. They can't take it back. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so in this situation, you're you're able to make a choice, and that choice is obviously you can continue working. That's of course uh, the choice that you can make, or you could choose to treat your employment as being terminated and leave with severance. So, because even though the company is not allowed to do what they're doing, there's no way to really stop them from doing it. It's simply about deciding whether or not you want to treat this as a constructive dismissal. Now, before you kind of think about it more, let me give you a bit more information. First of all, how long total have you worked there for? Uh, eight and a half years. Okay. And, and, and Ali, how, uh, how uh, old are you and what kind of a job? Uh, I'm 37 and I'm in uh, sales. So you, you probably are looking at about a month's pay per year for you. About eight months pay is what I would assess you at. Uh, based on your average earning, you know, if you're in sales, you may have commission, etc. And if, let's say, you, mm-hmm. you, your uh, income average in a year is seventy-five thousand, that's the figure that we would use to calculate your your severance. Uh, so, yeah, when you're talking about a potentially a five thousand dollar pay cut, that is a big pay cut. That is a big change, and doesn't matter if they call it reduction in salary or less gas allowance. If it hits you in the pocket, it's not something that they're allowed to do. Okay. Awesome. Ali, I'm going to get – sorry, Ali. Sorry, I'm going to get him back on. He was just about to finish his conversation. Sorry, Ali, what was that? Sure. I was just saying and, – and you mentioned that there was a severance allowance. And what was that uh, amount of the severance allowance you mentioned? So you, How many you'd months? You'd be out about a, a eight months' pay based on your average earnings. 
eight about months eight, pay. Eight months mm-hmm. pay. So, like I said, you, we can calculate what that is. But if you decide you want to pursue this as a constructive dismissal, before you go in there and hand in your resignation letter, you got to call me, okay? we got to sure. speak about it at the office. But here's the, the last point I'll leave you with. This is extremely important. You said this mm-hmm. happened a couple of months ago. So you have yeah. to make that decision very, very quickly. If you wait a few more weeks, you're going to be considered to have accepted this change, right. and then you can't do anything about it. So I'm going to say you probably have days, if it's already been a couple mm-hmm. of months, yep. to make yep. that decision. So you have to make that decision. If you want to talk about a constructive dismissal, you want to discuss pursuing it, call me at the office or email me, and we'll have that discussion. For sure. Thank you. Thanks, Ali. Appreciate the call and uh, wisely done making that phone call. Here's the number, by the way, to reach out to get a hold of Lior soon, by the way, as, as mentioned. 604-283-3123. Again, 604 604- 283-3123, and email works as well, help at employmentlawyer.ca uh, to do that as well. That is, that is. Uh, I was thinking, you know, maybe, you know, buck, 10, 15, 20, 40 bucks a week, 500 bucks a month, and they're going to cut them off in the knees. Well, if you think about it, if he's a salesperson, he probably spends a lot of time on the road visiting yep. customers and clients, and, you know, it adds up quickly. And we both know, especially in the, in BC, gas is not cheap. No, man. So uh, it adds up very, very quickly. If he's going to take 500 bucks a month, holy cow, that's a big pay cut, essentially, that he's taking. Yeah. That's a constructive dismissal, not something they're, that they're allowed to do. Don't wait on that sucker, Ali, for sure. Make that phone call uh, uh, tomorrow. If you're an employee, never do this. We're going through this list. We'll get to it a couple more here before we break and some more phone calls. Never accept significant changes to the terms of your employment like Ali was about to do. Exactly. And this, <laughs> right. this flows perfectly from uh, yes. Ali's uh, call because if the company is making changes, they're not allowed to. But if you uh, accept them, then, number one, you're stuck. That's already uh, a problem. But here's the bigger problem. If you allow the company to make these changes, then you're now giving them the right to do it again. So, yeah. so let's say the company uh, cuts your pay by uh, five five percent. Not gonna make you happy, but you may say, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be the good soldier. I'll continue working. Well, the problem with that is if you allow the company to do that, you've given them the right to do it again. And the next time they do it, maybe it's ten percent at that time or twenty percent. You can't do anything. You're stuck. So when it comes to changes to the terms of employment, you may have to stand your ground and say no. And if they do it anyway, you may have to consider constructive dismissal. You don't want to be in a situation where you know you you let the door open just a crack, and all of a sudden now it's kicked wide open so that the company can make whatever changes they want. That could mean your job is changes. It's not the same job that you 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 had. You have no job security. So if the company makes changes to the terms of employment, unless it's minor and insignificant, you may want to say no and then consider constructive dismissal. If you're an employee, never do this. That is the list we are, uh, we're chopping down here. Next one on the block is never accept a verbal termination. A verbal termination is a problem. Here's why. If the company says verbally you're gone or, or calls you on the phone, later they can say, no, 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 we didn't terminate. You quit. And I've seen uh-huh. this happen, okay? And when the company realized, oh, my God, now we have to pay all the severance because we just got this letter from Lior saying we owe this person 24-month severance, let's just say that he quit because there's nothing in writing. No, not a good idea. So what do you do if you get a verbal termination? Write an email immediately saying, I'm confirming that you called me today and told me that you're letting me go or you're laying me off or you're terminating my employment. Whatever the term is, say that. Put that in writing. Make sure that there's a record there that you've been terminated. Otherwise, the company can deny it. They can say, no, no, you called us and told us you're quitting. Don't let that happen. It can be a matter of 
getting your severance, your full severance. So if you don't have something in writing, and that's rare, but if you don't have something in writing, put it in writing yourself, always. That is the number to call. Would uh, would love to hear from you. 604-280-9898 uh, or star 9898 on your cell here at 433. In between uh, the phone calls, we're talking about things. If you're an employee, never do this. More of that is coming up. But in the meantime, I want to bounce a little back over to Tony. Tony, you were talking about marijuana at work. Sorry to cut you off, pal. Uh, continue. Yeah, no problem. Uh, what transpired was my work colleague had, uh, uh, had smoked marijuana pro- pro- previous to work. Came into work. He was confronted by management. They asked him if he smoked marijuana. He uh, concurred. Uh, he then was let go indefinitely. Uh, he did fight to go to arbitration, and uh, he deceased from our from work. So I just want to know what, what are the parameters of smoking marijuana? I know it's a new substance, and uh, and whatnot. I'll let you answer. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Tony. So so interesting. Now, you know, Mario, the fact that marijuana is, is legal, of course does not mean that the employer has to allow it uh, at work. You know, uh, drinking alcohol is legal, but most employers have policies that say you can't drink at work and you certainly can't be coming to work when you're intoxicated. So an employer is allowed to have a policy that says you can't smoke marijuana at work and you can't come to work under the influence of marijuana. They're absolutely able to do that. Now, so what happens if despite that you, you come into work under the influence? Well, here's the thing. It does not mean that you can be let go because of it. It means you've committed a workplace offense. But just because you've committed an offense doesn't mean you're deserving of the worst penalty. Maybe it's a warning. Maybe even in some situations a suspension. So just because you did something you're not supposed to, you smoked marijuana before work, that does not mean you can be fired. Now, the exception to that would be a situation where you're in a very safety-sensitive job. Uh, you know, you're operating heavy machinery or, I don't know, you're a pilot. It's something where if you're, if you make a small mistake, you know, people die, well, then there cannot be tolerance for that. So in many cases, it would be appropriate for the company to let the person go. But if it's, you know, more of a, a regular job, you know, whatever regular means, uh, then no, you cannot be fired just because one time you smoked uh, marijuana. That would be a wrongful dismissal. But for your your friend, kind of bringing it back full circle, because your friend is part of a union, the only one that is allowed to represent him is the union. And if it went to arbitration, whatever the result is, is binding on him. And there's nothing else that he can do. But in other situations where people are not represented by unions, yeah, they could absolutely pursue this as a wrongful dismissal if they're just fired because one time they smoked marijuana at work or, or before work. Okay, well, Makes thank sense. you very much. Yeah. yeah, that does, absolutely. Thank you very much for that information. That was very helpful. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. Tony, appreciate the call. You want to uh, reach out any further to Lior or a uh, member of the team, that is no problem. 604-283-3123 and help at employment. Lawyer.ca. Your phone call still got uh, plenty of time, as you know. 604-280-9898 or star 9898. On your cell, we are talking about things you should do or if you're an employee, never do this. The next one is this, and I, I like this one. It says, never resign if you don't really want to unless you have something in writing. Yeah, it, it, it's very, very important. Let me kind of break this down. If you don't really want to resign, don't resign. If, if you're resigning only because... Someone told you you had to. Someone threatened you. Someone, you know, put the proverbial gun to your head and said, well, you better resign or else. Well, that's not a real resignation. A resignation is something that you do voluntarily and unilaterally. 
So do not resign. If the company wants you gone, let them fire you. Let them let you go so that they can pay you severance. Why are you going to make that easier on them by quitting and then making it more difficult for yourself to get severance? No. So if you want to resign because maybe you've decided you found another job or you've decided that you're retiring or maybe you're going back to school, no problem. Your reason, resign, good luck, all the best. But if you're only resigning because the company did something, said something, threatened you, do not resign. If you, despite this, you're going to resign, despite what I just said, here's what you do, okay? Say it in writing, saying, I'm only resigning because you told me I had to. I'm only resigning because you told me that if I don't, you'll fire me. Put that in writing. At that point, we can still pursue your severance. What you don't want to do is just say, uh, I am resigning and I wish everyone all the best. Uh, good luck and, and so long. That sounds like a real resignation. That makes it more difficult to get you severance. So if you're going to resign because you have to, because you feel you have no choice, say it in writing. Here's why I'm resigning. I don't really want to. Here's why I'm doing it. If you do it that way, John, you preserve your rights. What happens in the situation where you, uh, you know, you blow a gasket and it's, you know, take this job and shove it and you walk out the door and go home and go, oh, you know what? That's probably not a great idea. I got bills. <laughs> John, you'd be surprised how many times I've actually seen, seen the situation uh, quite a few times. It's a heat of the moment resignation. You know, yep. we've all had that. We're frustrated. We've had enough. We can't take it anymore. That's it. I'm out of here. Then you calm down. Maybe you had a, a, a drink and, or you know, slept it off, and you realize, holy cow, I can't do this. I don't want to be off work. I kind of like my job, or I need my job. So what happens with the heat of the moment resignation? You you are able to take it back if it's clearly in the heat of the moment. As long as you take it back quickly, and by quickly I mean within a day or so. Okay, if you take it back, the company has to allow you to take it back. If they don't. If they say, no, no, we heard you say you quit, so no, you're not coming back. At that point, it becomes a termination. So if you resign in the heat of the moment, contact the company. Email works great so that there's a record and say, you know, yesterday I, I spoke in the heat of the moment. I didn't mean it. I don't want to resign. I want to come back as soon as possible. If they don't let you, it actually becomes a termination at that point, John, and severance has to be paid. The number to call in, still plenty of time. If you have questions about this, we'd love to uh, to hear about you. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Of course, when you have some time, you want to check out pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It's like having a pocket employment lawyer, really. It's got all <laughs> kinds of uh, amazing things that it does, uh, including the severance pay calculators wrapped up there in the, uh, as well. In the meantime, you're uh, if you're an employee, never do this. Never, oh, we love this one. Never call the Ministry of Labor if you've lost your job, please. Yeah, you know, Ministry of Labor, we call it also the Employment Standards Branch. If yep. you call the government because you lost your job, unfortunately, you're going to you're gonna get the wrong information. Okay, I'm going to be very blunt about this. You cannot call them if you lost your job. You can call for overtime issues, vacation pay issue, statutory holiday pay issue, sure, no problem. But when it comes to losing your job, the Ministry of Labor, the Employment Standards Branch, can only advise you with respect to your minimum entitlements. That word minimum is extremely important because the minimum means it's not your full entitlement. So I'm going to give you an example. Let's say you work for a company for three years and you're let go. You're offered four weeks pay by the company. Yeah. You call the Employment Standards Branch and say, hey, guess what? Uh, I've been let go after three years. They've offered me four weeks pay. What, what should I do? They'll tell you, well, you're owed three weeks pay and they've offered you four, so I guess that's fine. That's what they'll tell you. So you go back and you sign off on that four-week severance offer and you think that's fine. Uh-uh, it's not. 
because you probably are owed six months pay. Six months pay. That three weeks that they told you you're owed is only your minimum entitlement. That's a small portion of what you're actually owed. I've spoken with dozens and dozens and dozens of people over the years who called the employment standards branch, got the wrong information, and then realized too late that they, they, are, they accepted less than what they're owed. Don't let that happen to you. When it comes to your rights about losing your job, call me. Go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We have a severance calculator tool right there. You can find that in seconds how much you're owed. Call other employment lawyers if you need to. That's fine. But you cannot call the employment standards branch if you lost your job. Please don't. They cannot help you. And unfortunately, the information that you're going to be provided is going to be misleading. A minute before we break here, I'll slide this one. If you're an employee, never accept an unfair performance review. I know. Definitely not. And we've talked about this before on the show. If you get a performance review and it's unfair, it's inaccurate, it's not true, don't just be silent and continue working. That's the same as accepting it. So what yeah. you've done there, if you just accepted it, is you've essentially said, yeah, I did do something wrong. My performance wasn't good. Everything they said is right. Doing that makes it more difficult to let you go. Don't do that. If the performance improvement plan is not accurate, say so. If it's not, if it's not correct, say so. If there's information that the company is missing or not considering, say so. And say so in writing. Okay, it's okay to do that. You have a right to express your views, to express the facts as you understand them. You don't just have to take whatever the company says and, and take that as a fact, or take that as, as, as uh, something that's set in stone. Not at all. If you don't agree with a performance improvement plan, say so. Explain why. You don't have to be rude or aggressive about it. Uh, and as, as long as you do that, you're not going to be considered to have accepted it. And later, it's going to be that much more difficult for the company to let you go without severance. You still have uh, plenty of time here to call in, ask your questions. Uh, the number, yeah, that's correct, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. You want to reach out anytime through email. It is help at employmentlawyer.ca. We are talking about this. If you're an employee, never do these things. The next one up on the list is this. Never sign an employment agreement without having it properly reviewed. How important is this document in your life? Oh, my God. It is one of the most important documents you're going to sign, your employment agreement, your job offer letter, employment contract, whatever you want to call it. Okay, it's It governs what happens at your job. It governs your workplace rights. Think how many hours a day, a week, a year you spend at work. That employment agreement is the one that sets the rules. It sets the law for you. Remember, the law is often... Uh, you know, the law, as I said, is very good, but you can also agree to give up your rights, and that's what an employment agreement does, okay? An employment agreement is not a good thing to have for an employee. A lot of people that haven't heard the show before are going to raise their eyebrows and say, well, what the heck are you talking about, Lior? Well, no. Here's the thing. An employment agreement helps the employer, not, not the employee. If you're an employee, you're better off signing a ha or getting a handshake deal or getting an email with a paragraph saying, here's your job, you're starting Monday. Great, that's all you want. Oftentimes, an employment agreement takes away the rights. It can limit your future severance. Usually, that's what employers try to, uh, to do, and it could cost you tens and tens of thousands of dollars when it does that. It could give the company the right to lay you off temporarily. It could give the company the right to change your compensation, change your job duties. It could give the company uh, or, or, could, or make you not uh, work for a competitor down the road. It could do a lot of things that are problematic. So the smart thing to do is get it reviewed. When you signed a job offer or when you're accepting a job offer, you got that letter in front of you, 
get it reviewed so you know what the company wants, so that you know what you're agreeing to. Because here's the thing, John, you can actually negotiate these terms very often. Many people think, well, well, I can't negotiate, so what's the point? Yes, you can, but you need to know what to negotiate. Oftentimes, once you've identified the things, you can approach the company and say, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to start working. I think this is a great fit for me. I have a couple of concerns I want to raise. But if you don't know that the contract tries to limit your future severance, you're not going to be able to negotiate it. So an employment agreement, if properly reviewed, is fine. If you're not uh, being offered an employment agreement, it's simply an email saying you're starting Monday, be happy. Take that and run. Don't ask for an employment agreement. For the employee, it's always better not to actually have one. It's amazing you say, you know, you can negotiate. And you, you got to think, though, when you're, you know, if, if you go in the other two-thirds of the iceberg, you don't think about it all the time. And as a fact, this company that you're, you're going to be working for, you know, they've gone through interview process or processes. There's been several of those. You've sat down with HR. You've spent there. They've invested time into you. So if, if you're the guy or gal they want, you can negotiate because you're the chosen one at this point, right? I mean, you're so close to the precipice of getting a job, you should have some bargaining power, right? Oh, we absolutely do. You know, anyone that's ever had to go through a hiring process knows it's right. a lot of work. It takes time. It costs money. And after all this process, if the company finally found their chosen candidate, you're the person that we want. You're the one we've been looking forward to. Well, guess what? That means you now have some leverage. You may have something that the company wants, i.e. yourself. So as long as you're smart about it and you're reasonable, you can negotiate terms of employment. Uh, so, you, But it starts, John, with having your employment agreement reviewed so that you know what the problems are and that you know what to ask for. By the way, that number to reach out and do that anytime with Lior, member of his crew, 604-283-3123, 604 604- Two eight three thirty one twenty three help at employmentlawyer.ca. Still got uh, a few minutes to go here. You want to slide in a phone call about this or any other topic you're thinking about when it comes to your job, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. We'll get to one more of these before some emails. And that is if you're an employee, never forget to stay in touch with your employer while you're off on a disability leave. Absolutely. You're off on yeah. a disability leave. Maybe you're you're gone for an extended period of time. Maybe you had an accident or an injury or, or maybe it's even a, a mental health issue. Not a problem. If you're off work, remind your employer. Remind your employer that you're there, that you're working on getting better, that you're planning on coming back to work. Don't forget about your employer. If you forget about your employer, you've been gone for months and months, you you haven't stayed in touch with your employer, maybe your employer can assume that you're not coming back, that you've quit, that this condition you have is so bad that you'll never be back. And then when you do do contact them about returning to work, they'll say, well, wait a second, we we thought you're not coming back. We don't have a job for you anymore. Not a good idea. So if you're off sick for, I'm not talking about, you know, you have the flu and you're going to be gone for the week. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about actually being on a disability leave. If you're on a disability leave, you want to stay in touch with your employer. So every once in a while, send an an email saying, just so you know, I'm I'm still working on getting better, or I have a a doctor's appointment coming up. I'll update you after. Maybe send a doctor's note saying, you know, the doctor says, you know, they saw you and that you're still being uh, treated. That's it. It's, it could be a simple one-liner. They don't need to know what your medical condition is. They don't need to know what medication you're taking. They just need to know you're still out there, you're looking to get better, and you're planning on coming back to work. Very important that you do that. It's easy. It doesn't take much time. But if you forget about your employer, your employer may forget about you, and that may mean you're out of a job. Not a good thing to be in. 
want to get over to uh, to Saul's email here. Saul writes in, says, uh, Leor, I worked as a payroll clerk and have to work extra hours to get the job done, but my employer insists that I should get the job done on time and that he won't pay overtime. Can I get overtime, and can the employer say that I just wasn't efficient with my time? This is a very important question, and, and when it comes to overtime, if you work the overtime and if it's necessary to work the overtime to get the job, the company has to pay it. No. The company can say, no, 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 we disagree, or we didn't ask you. If you work the overtime, and if it's legitimate, they have to pay for it. Okay, So it's not a situation where overtime is only paid if the company approves it. So I still don't think it's a good idea to work overtime if the company doesn't want you to, because then they may say, well, now we have reason to discipline you. We'll pay you the overtime, but we may have a reason to discipline you. So what I, I would do instead here, uh, Saul, is I would... If you see that you're not getting the job done on time, send them a note saying, here are the things that I can never finish in my eight hours a day or my 40 hours a week, whatever it is. You know, here's the list of three, two, five things, whatever it is that I can't finish. Let me know if you want me to finish them uh, and work overtime or just leave them be and put it on them. Okay. And if they say, we want you to leave it be, well, okay, then you leave it be and they can't complain. If they say, no, we need you to finish it, then you work the overtime. Make sure it's in writing. Make sure that they know specifically what you can't finish and why. Uh, And if you do work overtime, if it's legitimate because you need to get your job done, remember, your employer has to pay you time and a half if you work more than eight hours a day or 40 hours a week. Time and a half for anything over that. There's no exceptions. What if they've told you, you know what, we told you before and you did work the overtime because you still had to and you've been told before, don't work the overtime. Do you still get paid for it? You still get paid for it if you work it. Now, but again, they could still discipline you. They can say, well, right. now we're giving you a warning. If you keep doing this, maybe eventually we'll, we'll fire you for cause if you keep doing it. But the fact that they have reason to discipline you doesn't mean that you don't get paid the overtime. Uh, if you worked it, if it's legitimate, they have to pay for it. Sean's up next. Uh, last one probably for the day here says, my severance letter says that if I find another job, the employer will stop paying me my severance and give me half of what is owed. Is that legal? Is that normal? So it, it is legal, but oftentimes we can negotiate that out of there. So when a company pays severance, there's generally two ways they can do that. First way is they could do it as, as kind of as a lump sum. So we're going to pay you 18 months pay, lump sum, here's a check, off you go. The other way is they can say, well, instead of paying you one payment for, let's say it's 18 months, we'll pay you over time. We'll simply continue paying you, you know, per our payroll practices. Usually, though, they would add a condition that says, if you find a job while we're still paying you, we'll cut you off and we'll give you, let's say, half of what's outstanding. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's between the two of them. The lump sum payment is better for the employee because there's no strings attached to it. So that's a better option. Both options are legal, but oftentimes that is something that we can negotiate. So someone may contact me with a severance offer that's you know contingent on the person finding or not finding another job. Oftentimes, we can turn that around and make it a a guaranteed lump sum payment. So uh, just because the company wants to pay you initially uh, not as one payment doesn't mean we can't change that. The first thing we need to do is make sure that they're offering you the right amount of severance. Because in many cases, over 90% of cases, the company offers you a lot less. And then we can deal with the payment terms. So that's another reason why it's so important, John, to get legal advice if you lose the job. It's not just about how much severance. It's also about is it guaranteed? How is it going to be paid? How is it going to be structured? There's a lot to consider. You have to get that advice if you lost your job. 
Some great stuff today. We'll leave it there. And you want to continue the chat and uh, some more questions with Lior. Call him 604-283-3123 is the way to go by phone. Help at employmentlawyer.ca to reach out through email as well. And always remember, if you haven't tried it yet, it's new, but it's already gaining a lot of momentum. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. There's all kinds of workplace hints and advice and uh, feedback on pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It's anonymous and there's contact at the top and bottom if you carry on afterwards. You have that option. So we're all done for the day. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time right here on the Employment Law Show on CKNW.